Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. Well, I want to introduce to you real quick our, our guest speaker, Will Jones, or as his third grade teacher called him, William Jones. <laughs> When he was in trouble. He's not in trouble here, though. Uh, Will Jones, uh, I met Will in Sri Lanka uh, a year ago, so I would consider Will a new friend. I have friends that have been friends for many, many years, decades, but I consider Will a new friend because I met him in Sri Lanka, and it's one of those moments. I had, like I said, I have friends, lifelong friends that I met, and the way I met them was just we were passing by. I have a good friend in Ankeny where we're just passing by. I said, hey, how are you doing? How you do, we connected just like that. Our, it was a spirit connection, and before long, now, now it's been 38 years, and I've been good friends with David Olson for that many years. And that's what's happened. And I felt the exact same kind of connection with this brother who's going to come speak to you this morning. He's the founder and the, the lead speaker for Awakening International Ministries, travels in Africa, does big, big meetings, uh, evangelistic meetings there. He's also on staff at a church up in Minneapolis. Well, will you come, brother, and just bless us with the word? Let's give him a hand. Thanks, Pastor Rich. It's awesome. Well, man, it is so cool to be here at Life Church. This is one of the best churches in the state of Iowa. I come to you today by the great state of Minnesota, and uh, some of you will catch that later. Uh, but uh, I love just sharing the word of God. And uh, man, I, your pastor, I just I second what he said. We met in Sri Lanka. And it was so fun. I was one of the only black guys there. And so I stood out like a thumb, but it was good. He made me feel so comfortable. And uh, him and Christy are just phenomenal people. And you got phenomenal leaders in Pastor Rich Green and his wife. And so, man, can you just help me honor them? Uh, I really do. I love that. Um, I just believe in honor, friends. And so, hey, we're going to jump right in the word. Last service, I preached for two hours, 16 minutes, and 39 seconds. This service, I'm going to preach for two hours, 17 minutes, and 38 seconds, okay? Uh, and so uh, we're going to jump into the Word. Mark chapter 16 and chap- Acts chapter 8, or Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And we're going to be talking about this matter called B, the subject called B, okay? B-E, that's it, B-E, B. And I want you to just kind of un- get a little understanding of what Jesus is saying to his disciples through these verses we're going to read. But my goal is just to to inspire you, to challenge you, and to let the Holy Spirit do something in you today that you won't leave out the same way you came in. Uh, I really hope that that would be the case for you. And so let's jump into God's word. How many of you still carry Bibles? Wave them in the air like you just do care. Come on, brothers, sisters. I see you. Some of you new people, you're like, oh, that's old. Go ahead and wave up your digital Bible if you have that. I love it. Hope you charged it last night for sure. Uh, and if you have an Android, we're going to have prayer after service. Uh, for you. It's all good. I often tell people I have Apple because I bit the Apple. I'm redeemed. Uh, but it's all good. So Mark chapter 16 is on the screen as well for your viewing. Shout out to all the campuses who are tuning in online audience. Mark chapter 16 says this. Afterward, he, being Jesus, appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them. I don't like being rebuked. I'm going to tell you why in a moment. For their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. 
Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will basically follow those who believe in and in my name, they will cast out demons. In my name, they will speak in new tongues. In my name, they will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands, their hands on the sick and they will recover. He goes on to say this, so then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up. He was ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And the closing verse is this, and they went out and preached everywhere, everywhere, while the Lord worked with them, I love that, and confirmed his message, basically, by accompanying signs. Let us turn over to Acts 1 and 8 really quick. Acts 1 8, it says this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And this is it. And you will what? Be. Come on, that was half of the room. And you will what? I love that. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the word. Speak to us, transform us, change us so we look more like you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Uh, Pastor Rich alluded to um, my teacher, my third grade teacher, Mrs. Russell. I still remember her for good and the bad because back then they could whoop you in class. And so I really remember Miss Russell from the paddle in her hand. Uh, and I was a young troubled child. I was one of nine children. Uh, I have eight sisters that I love dearly. And uh, yeah, that's how I felt too growing up. <laughs> in the house. We all are close. My mom, I love her much. And Miss Russell, she was like a second mom. Back in the day, you could get a whooping at school and my mom gave her the permission. And if you got a whooping at school, you went home and got another whooping. Uh, and, and so that was just, there was no such thing as child abuse back then. Uh, but Miss Russell loved me, believed in me. And she said, Will, who do you want to be when you grow up? And I didn't understand what she was saying at the moment, because if you think about the question, we typically hear, what do you want to be when you grow up? But she said, who do you want to be? And as a young boy, I loved basketball. I played it. It was how I got out of, you know, the environment that I grew up in, in an inner city, athletic scholarship, go on, go on, go on. But basketball was everything I do. So back in the day, Michael Jordan was all I thought about. And so all I could think about is this phrase when she said, who do you want to be? Like Mike. I want to be. Some of you young folk, you're like, ooh, don't know what you're talking about. Watch this video. You're going to see a little bit of what I'm talking about. Sometimes I dream that he is me. Got to see that's how I dream to be. I wanted to be like Mike. And that's what I told Miss Russell. I said, who do you want to be like? I said, I want to be like Mike. And she says, well, 
You won't be like Michael Jordan, but who do you want to be? And as I grew older and I began to, and I came to faith, I began to grow in my faith, I understood this question a little more clearly. And now my answer is very simple. If I could say to Ms. Russell today, Ms. Russell, this is who I want to be like. Simple. Like Jesus. I, I want to be like Jesus. I want to think like Jesus. I want to talk like Jesus. I want to solve problems like Jesus. I want to do what Jesus did. I just want to be like Jesus. Anybody else, would that be your cry? Man, I just want to be like Jesus. But I understood this, this tension in being like Jesus. Because a part of being like him is I have to commit to follow him. And a part of following him, I have to fully submit my life to him and do what he does as he empowers me through his Holy Spirit and through the word. But there's this tension of how am I going to live my life according to the world or according to God's word? And if I live my life from these two lenses, the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, don't be conformed to the world, but be renewed in our mind and our thinking so that we would know and be able to judge the good, perfect, and pleasing will of God. So he too understand that, that this wrestle with us as humans who are committed to follow Jesus, we can often live through these two lenses of the world or God's word. And if I'm living like the world, I'm me-centered. This is what Pastor Rich was talking about in being rich toward God or rich toward yourself. I'm me-centered if I live like the world, but if I live according to a bibliocentric standpoint, God at the center of my life, his word is the authority that governs everything I do, how I behave, how I think, how I act, how I give, my relationships, every dynamic, then I'll be God-centered. And so friends, I want to let you know this, that every day we're either becoming who we want to be or who God wants us to be. It's a very simple statement, but it's profound if you think about it. Every day, we're either becoming who we want to be or we're becoming more of who God wants us to be. And I want to leave you with this simple thought. As we're transformed by either, which one? The world or the word, the result of our, it's, it's, it's from the result of our thinking. If we're transformed by the world, as Paul says, don't be conformed to it. How do you think like God? It's to be renewed in your mind through his word. So we're either going to be conformed to the world or we're going to be like Jesus and follow him through his words, through his principles, through his practices. And so I want to help you understand something. If you live like the world, you become like the world. If you live like Jesus, it's his result of his word. And our thinking is, is impacted by this. Our thoughts form our beliefs and who we become. Our thoughts form our beliefs and who we become, and this dictates our behavior, how we live. And so this is why the Bible says, whatsoever a man thinketh, that he is. And so it's this simple thought. How you behave is because of what you believe. What you believe will determine who you are. What, I, I, I don't care where you're from, your background, what you believe will determine who you are because it's predicated by how you're behaving based on what you believe. And in Mark chapter 16, I want you to understand the disciples' situation here. Jesus is now back from the resurrected from the dead, and the disciples are faced with a pivotal moment in their journey of following Jesus. This pivotal moment is so important because they have to ask the question, who are we going to be? Who are we going to be? And their answer is predicated on what they believe about Jesus' resurrection, which we know offers salvation to humanity. 
So this was a very pivotal moment for them because Jesus is now back from the dead and it's, it's, it's the ending of this Passion Week and he's appeared to two people or more and he, he, he sent these people to talk to his disciples and tell them Jesus has risen from the dead. He's here, he's wanting to meet you here and they did not believe the eyewitnesses. And so Jesus goes to them in his context and he sees them sitting in this upper room and they're sitting and they're reclining at the table and it absolutely disturbs Jesus. He's flabbergasted. He's messed up. He's tore up from the floor, as I would say. He's so upset. He's so angry because he's poured his life into them for three and a half years. And he's talked about his resurrection and why he went to the cross. And he told them the purpose of his mission. And now he's come back and they're sitting at the table. This is what verse 14 says. After he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table. I want you to first recognize their posture. Recognize their posture. They're, they're at the table. Jesus is now resurrected. He's ready for them to get ready to go on mission. He's getting ready to send the Holy Spirit to them, but he, he can't do any of that yet because their posture, meaning their attitude about or their mindset, which has indicated their behavior, their actions, this is why they're sitting, is because their posture, they, 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 he's concerned. He's disturbed because they should be believing that he has risen from the dead because he's talked to them all about this. And friends, it's so interesting because in the culture, those who would sit at the table were people of prestige, were people of uh, very, various accomplishments, were people that had wealth. They had this phrase in the Eastern context that those who would sit at the table were the ones who were being served, could recline because they deserved to be. They had money, they had power, they had wealth, they had prestige, they had accolades and accomplishments. And so the disciples are now sitting in this place as if they had done something. <laughs> they, they, they were sitting in this place, pondering, wondering about Jesus and, and not doing anything idle. And if you recall what Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, he said this, he says, for who is greater, as he's talking to his disciples, because they were in this argument, arguing about who's greatest. I'm going to be greatest. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be this. And Jesus says to them in Luke 22, he says, for who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. So he, he tells them in Luke, Luke writes this, he gives us an understanding of this cultural principle. Those who were sitting at the table thought they were the ones that were deserving to be sitting at the table and they should be served. But Jesus was saying, hey, I'm actually the one at the table that deserves to be served. But instead, I'm not here sitting, I'm here serving you. And so Jesus gives them and tries to flip their paradigm here, but now he comes back from the dead and he's like, you're still sitting at the table? You're still idle? You're still comfortable? You're still being a consumer? And friends, this was so convicting to me because I too can be in the same posture as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. I can find myself sitting. I can find myself not engaged with the work. I can find myself being a consumer instead of a participator. I can find myself being comfortable instead of being uncomfortable. I can find myself being idle instead of doing the work that Jesus has invited me to do by his glorious grace. I don't know about you, but does any of you find yourself being like me sometimes? What I just described? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just, we get comfortable. We find ourselves idle. And listen, I get it. The light life is challenging. 
Life is so challenging. Sometimes our work, our kids, our school, we're stressed out. All these things, emotions, the things of the world pulling on us, and it distracts us from sometimes from being who Jesus has called us to be. And it gets us caught up in this vortex of being what I want to be instead of who God has called me to be. And so it's, it's so interesting because when we think about this posture that they were in, it's really applicable to me and you. Sometimes we just naturally have that posture about sharing Jesus with others. Sometimes we feel like, man, my life is good enough. I, I, don't, I don't need to share Jesus. I can live my life and show people Jesus. Sometimes we feel like, oh, you know, I'm really busy. I work and kids, and school, etc., activities, all these things. Sometimes we have the excuse of, you know, evangelism and sharing my faith and making disciples. That's, that's not really my thing. It's, my, it's not my spiritual gift. <laughs> Sometimes we have this thought process that we don't want to impose our belief on other people. These are just real things that we go on that sometimes indicate our posture of how we are following Jesus. And let me ask you this question. If Jesus were to evaluate your life right now at this moment, if he were to evaluate your involvement in his commission, would he be disturbed? Would he be disturbed like he was when he walked in the room with the disciples? We see he was disturbed, and this is why he offers the rebuke. This is why it says he rebuked them. He goes on to say because they were reclining at the table, he rebuked them because, for, that's the reason, their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed. And so Jesus, he didn't get it. What are you guys thinking? How don't you believe this? Everything you've seen me do, everything you've heard from me, you, you now are getting an eyewitness about me raising from the dead, and, and I talk to you about this. How can you not believe? How can you have this hardness of heart? And friends, I want to tell you, it, it wasn't intentional. Get that. It wasn't that they were just choosing to not believe. This was something spiritual that they had, they had to grasp and grapple with, that Jesus really was who he said he was, that Jesus really did come to accomplish what he said he would accomplish. And so he offers a rebuke to them, and this is what rebuke means. I, I love this word, but I hate being rebuked. <laughs> it says this, to express sharp disapproval or criticism of someone because of their behavior or actions. This is why the Bible says the word of God is good for us to be rebuked, corrected, and to give instructions to us so that every man or woman of God may be prepared to do the work that God has called us to engage in. And so he rebukes them because he doesn't like their actions. He doesn't like, he disapproves, and he criticizes them because of their unbelief and hardness of heart. But he was really rebuking them, not just because of their belief. He was really rebuking them because of their behavior. Their, their actions wasn't protruding that who he was, who he said he was. That they had not yet fully grasped this. So this was a lesson learned for the disciples. I think it's a lesson learned for you and I. You see, hearing of Jesus' resurrection before they actually saw him, this is what they learned. They learned what it would be like to believe the testimony of eyewitnesses. Let me, let me say it another way. They would now be spreading this message. Jesus is inviting them to spread this message about him as eyewitnesses to other people who, like them, who had not seen Jesus. 
And so they now were in the shoes of those who they would be sharing with. This is why Paul calls it a foolish gospel. He's like, how is it possible that a man is risen from the dead? That this man is claiming to be the king of the world. That this man is claiming to be the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. That this man is claiming to open blind eyes and deaf ears and heal the lame and heal the sick. How, how is it be that he could be the ruler, the Messiah of not only the Jewish people, the Gentile, the whole earth? How, how is it? And this is what they were grappling. People were going to have to believe the message that Jesus had called them to share without ever seeing him. And so he was really messed up because he was saying, man, you see me and you still don't believe. You see me and you, and you still haven't grasped it. How much harder would it be for those who have not seen me? And they have to understand. And so, friends, I, I want you to think about this. It's, it's, this is the imperative part. It's imperative. It was imperative for them to believe, but it's also imperative for us to believe Jesus' resurrection. You see, when he said believe, he wasn't just talking about intellectualism. He was talking about to have faith and confidence in that it moved you to change behavior. When, when, when we believe something, when we value something, it changes how we live it out. When we value things, we live it out. Our behavior indicates what we value. And Jesus was saying, if you really believe in me, if you really believe in my resurrection, then, then your behaviors are going to have to be different. Because I'm sending, you out on his, I'm sending you out as messengers. He was telling his disciples, I'm getting ready to send you out as my witnesses. And what they believed about Jesus' resurrection would dictate if they told others about the gospel. What they believed about Jesus' resurrection would dictate what they told others about the gospel. So for you and I, what we believe about Jesus' resurrection will determine how we behave and who we become. If we really believe that he's a savior of the world, if we really believe that he's a healer, if we really believe that he's this bright and morning star, if we really believe that he's the rose of Sharon, if we really believe that he's a deliverer, if we really believe that he's a way maker, if we really believe that he's a transformer, if we really believe who he said he was because of the power of his resurrection, friends, it will determine how we, when we, if we share the gospel with others. And he says in Acts 1-8 to his disciples, before he gets ready to be descended, he says this, or ascended, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be. Let me just unpack this really quick. Be. Yes, he was saying, in the core of who you are as followers, Peter, I called you Petros because I'm going to build my church upon you. James and John, you're the sons of thunder because you're aggressive and you're going to go after people and be fishers of men. He, he, he was telling them, in the core of who you will be, you will be my witnesses. You will tell other people what you have seen and or heard about me. That's witness. That's what they ask you to do when you go to court sometimes. Testify of what you have seen and you have heard. And so he was telling them, I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit in order for you to be my witnesses. He was letting them know, this is who you are now. You're, yeah, you were a fisherman. That's who I called. That's when I called you. I didn't call you for just who you were. I called you for who you would be. 
Friends, we have to understand Jesus didn't just call us out of darkness into his marvelous light, forgive us of our sin, begin to transform our life just because of who we were and think that we're something special. No, 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 no. He called us for who we would become. His plan for us is way better than we think we have for our own lives. And Jesus was helping them to understand that I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to tell other people about me what I've seen, what you've seen me do in your life, what you've heard me do in other people's lives that's in consistency with my word and who I am. And friends, I want to give you a challenge today. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you have accepted his forgiveness of your sins and have received his grace and his mercy in your life, you are now qualified as a witness. I hear four amens. I can preach to myself, though. We're qualified as witnesses. So this is who Jesus is calling us to be. I want you to understand that. This is who Jesus is calling us to be. If you're a business person, if you're a teacher, if, you, if, if, if you're a professor, if you're a student, if you're a homemaker, if you're at home, a stay-at-home mom, if, 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 you, if you're a retiree, you are called to be a witness, someone who shares Jesus, someone who makes disciples of Jesus, that will make disciples of Jesus, that will make disciples of Jesus. This is how the kingdom grew. It didn't grow by coming to church and just attending. This is great. Be in the community, be in a assembly with one another. But Jesus didn't call you to be just an attender of Life Church. He called you to be a follower of Jesus and to be a part of the church. The church is called the ecclesia. It's the called out ones. We're called out. We're to go. We're called from somewhere, from someone. We're called from somewhere to go somewhere. And Jesus is saying, I called you out of your sin. I called you out of darkness. I called you out. And now I'm equipping you. I'm empowering you. So I'm going to help take you to places that are back in darkness to pull people out of that darkness into my light so that they can have life. And this is the goal. So he had to get his, under, his disciples to understand this. So the implication for you and I, we have to ask ourselves the question, has your belief in the gospel transformed your behavior to tell others? Has your belief in the gospel transformed you to so, such, such? Can I preach for 30 seconds, Pastor Rich? Ah. Has, has, has your belief in him transformed your core to the, I know I'm not who I used to be. I know I'm not the same anymore. This gospel has transformed me from the inside out. And it's because Jesus is alive. He rose from the grave. He paid the price for my sin that I'm no longer bound to, that I'm no longer in chains to, that I'm no longer in captivity to. And now I'm living for him. I'm following him. And because he lives, because he's given me new life, because I'm not the same as who I am, yes, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm also not where I used to be. And because of what he's did in my life, I got to tell somebody about it got to tell somebody because their life depends on it. Their life depends on it. If they don't know Jesus, they spend eternity without him. And he had to get this in his disciples. And so in verse 15, verse 15, he says to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. This is what he said. This is your mission. Go into all the world. Guess what? Where is your all? 
Your all is Coralville. Your all is the extended communities. Your all may be the nation someday. Your all is the family, the friends, the places, the businesses, the communities that Jesus has allowed you to be in in your context of living in this season of your life. That is your all. When you go to the bank, when you go to the grocery store, Walmart, Costco, IV, when you go to get your nails done, your hair done, your feet done, when you go to get your hair cut, when you go to get your hair done, when you go and live in community with other people that you take your kids to games. This is your all. He's saying go into all of those places, not compartmentalize your life that you go to church on Sunday and just live through the week on Monday through Friday or Saturday and come back to church on Sunday. No, 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 no. He says, no, it's not about you coming to church. It's about you going to be the church. I want you to go out of these walls. I want you to live my life. I want you to live on mission for me. Am I preaching to myself because I'm getting happy? I'm telling you, Jesus told us to go into all the world. It's amazing to see when somebody comes to know Christ. It's amazing to see when you can just share the seed of the word with people. You don't even have to see them come to Christ when you just share the seed. You're like, if you believe the word that much, if you deposit just a little bit, I'm like, I know it's going to grow. I know it's going to come to pass. I'm going to trust it. But friends, I've come with this conviction. Paul says in Romans 10, 14, he says this. Jesus tells us, to go proclaim the gospel to the whole world. And he says in verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized, what he's saying here is based upon your belief, you baptize as an outward indication of your inward work of salvation. He says, you'll be saved, but whoever does not believe is already judged. They've already been judged. So this is what I've learned about the gospel. I'm, my job is to share the message that saves people. My job is not to save people. That's liberating for me. I hope some of you are free now. Your job is not to save people. Your job is to just share the, the very good news of the message that does save people about Jesus. And then he does the rest. The Holy Spirit does the rest. This is why Paul said in Romans 10, 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Worship team, you can come and join me here. Uh, I was just in a, Egypt in Amman, Jordan a week and a half ago, and I was in a community, a ravine that my Muslim friends had made as almost like a theme park. And it was rivers and everything, and I don't know about you, but black people scared of water where I come from, where I come from. Some of my Caribbean friends, they love water. They're fishes, but I come from the hood. I was grounded. I didn't get in water, okay? And so we're walking the water. I'm nervous. The water up here, I'm like... And, and we see a, 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 a man, he's, he's Jordanian, but he's black. And he was so excited to see me, he hugged me. And my friend who's a worker there, he said, they, they've never seen someone like you. He said, they've been ostracized and marginalized because of the color of their skin. He said, so he's so excited to see you. And our goal is to get more workers there who are of minority and colored people that could connect with him. But this guy, he said, come over. And he took us to his friends and they were all talking in the Arabic language and we were having fun and talking. And it was amazing. It was amazing to me because he said that he never had heard of Jesus. We asked him, have you, do you know, do you, have you heard of Jesus? He said, who is he? He never had heard about Jesus. This is what Paul's saying. How, how can they, unless somebody goes 
How, how can they hear unless, unless we share? How, how can they believe unless we open up our mouths and say something? And so Jesus basically tells his disciples in verse 17 through 20, he tells them this. He says, I'm going to give you the message. It's the gospel. I'm going to give you the message. You go do the ministry that's to serve people and share with people, and I'll do the rest. I'm going to validate it. This is what he said. These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. Why did he say in my name? Friends, I just want to close this message out with this thought. He said in my name because he understood, as he said in Matthew 28 and 19 through 20, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So therefore, there's nobody outside of my reach anymore. There's nothing the devil can do anymore to hold people back from sin because of their sin and bondage. My father has already paid the price through my substitutionary work on the cross when I gave my life for your life, lived the life that you never could have lived, died a death that you should have died, rose from the grave to pay the price and the eternal judgment for your sin. Now you can be right with my father. And he said, all that authority has been given to me. And as I have it, I'm transferring it to you. So therefore, go and make disciples. Therefore, go and share the gospel with people. Therefore, go and teach people how to follow me, teach people to obey me. Friends, I want to help you understand. When Jesus told us that we can do this because he's with us, he says, I'm going to confirm it. I've seen people with blind eyes open. I've seen people with paralytic legs for years walk. Why? Not because of will, not because I'm anointed, all because of the name of Jesus, all because of the power of Jesus, all because of the authority of Jesus. We're glorifying him. So who are you going to be? Who are you going to be? Are you going to be his witness? Are you going to live your life for you? I want to encourage you today. You got to be a witness. You got to live on mission for Jesus. He who gave himself for you, therefore we no longer live for ourselves, but live for him who died for us. So I just want to, I want to do a measured thing as we end our time right now. I want to do this. If you say, man, Will, thank you for sharing this message. I, I want to be the witness God's called me to be. I've received his love, his grace, his forgiveness. I'm a follower of Jesus. I want to be who God's called me to be. I've shifted my paradigm about his resurrection, my belief in him. I want him to transform me so that my belief in him would dictate and govern my behavior to share him with other people. If that's you, could you do me a favor and just boldly stand? If that's you, you said, that's me today, Will. That's me. I want to reach them in my school. I want to reach them in my university. I want to reach them in my college. I want to reach them on my teams. I want to reach them in my job. Come on, I want to reach them. I, I want to reach them. That's you. That's awesome. Listen, if, you, if you're not standing, no condemnation against you. God's doing a great work in your heart, and that's okay. You don't have to feel pressure, but that, this is awesome. This is awesome. This is, this is why I came. This is why I came. I just wanted to challenge and encourage you. I said, man, you can do it. Why? Because he gives us the power to do it, and you can do it in your own way. He gives you the ability. He's wired you. He's created you in your own personality. Some of you are shy and you're introverted, and that's awesome. Be shy and introverted and have those great one-on-one -on -one conversations. Some of you are extroverts and you're wild and crazy. That's awesome, too. Be wild and crazy, okay? I want to pray for you right now to understand as I close out. Father, I thank you for each and every person that is standing, and I thank you for those, Lord, that are still sitting, that you're working in and through. Father, I thank you that you've called us to be your witnesses. And Lord, today, let the word be sealed in our heart. 
Let us realize as families, as couples, as singles, that Lord, if we've accepted Christ, then we are called now to be your witnesses. And Lord, help us to be empowered by your spirit daily to follow you, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Listen, while every eye is closed, I just want to invite those of you who would say, hey, Will, I need to come back to Jesus or I've never entered into a relationship with him. Maybe you're at another campus or you're watching online. If that's you, you would be so bold. You heard me share about the gospel of Jesus and how he died for you and rose for you and he wants you to have eternal life and not only eternal but abundant life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, hey, I want to come back to Jesus or I need to give my life home the first time. Thank you, my brother. If that's you, Lift your hand high. Don't be afraid. Lift your hand high. If that's you online, just make, a, make an emoji or a fire chat. That's me. Thank you, my friend. Listen, I want us to pray this as a body together, Life Church. I see hands raised. This is awesome. Pastor Rich is getting ready to come and lead you in the pastoral moment. But if that's you, you raise your hand. Let's pray this together. It's a prayer of confession and repentance. It says like this. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and rising from the dead to give me eternal life. Today I turn away from my life of sin and I turn toward you. I commit to follow you all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, help me to glorify Jesus with my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Be. Be. Amen. Amen. And to all our campuses, let's be, let's be like Jesus. Amen. Amen. This is exactly who we are. It's what we want to be as a community. Our mission here is to create an atmosphere where people can become fully devoted followers of Jesus. A fully devoted follower of Jesus is being something and is being light in darkness, being, being salt where there is no flavor. Amen. And that's the invitation today. Thank, let's, let's give it up for Will one more time. Thank you so much, Will, for sharing with us this morning. Let me, let me pray with us as we conclude. Father, we just want to thank you, Jesus, for who you are, for what you're doing. We thank you, Father, for the message this morning. May, may Lord, you, you take that message, Father, just embed it in our, in our hearts. May we wake up in the morning with this, just, this little mantra in our head. Help me, Lord, to be a witness today. Help me, Lord, to be a witness today in everything I do and every interaction I have with people at work, with people in the marketplace, wherever I'm at, Lord. God, help me to be a witness for you today, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.